thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Quinton. Pastor Quinton makes it sound as though kids are terrible. <laughs> but, but actually, they are such a delight. And uh, we, we wish we had more. But uh, unfortunately, they have taken wings. And even my grandkid is so far away, you know. And uh, so they're a blessing. Children are a blessing of the Lord. Amen. And, um, but uh, I understand what he, he is going through. It's not easy when you have four, you know, juggling around. But uh, just a quick announcement for my wife before I get into trouble. Uh, the ladies' ministry, they missed out. The ladies' ministry is starting this week. On Wednesday at Susan Chan's home. Susan, can you stand? Thank you, Susan, for opening your home. Thank you. Okay, so we are going to, I'm going to share a quick message, only half an hour, so because we have many other things on today. Let, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here. Thank you for speaking to us, showing us the importance of. Uh, good relations and the home group ministry of the church. The early church, they met in homes on a daily basis. There must be a reason for why they met even daily. And for us, we are only meeting fortnightly, but uh, Father, you are showing the value and the importance and the power of meeting together. So, so much more so when we see the day coming to an end. We thank you, Lord, for your work in our midst. And I pray that you will cause hearts and ears to be attentive to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I am uh, going to start off with a story of this woman who goes to see a doctor and says, Doctor, I have a major problem with my husband. He seems to lose his temper all the time and it's getting worse. What can I do about it? And the doctor says, I think I have the solution and cure for that. Every time, and she says, it scares me. My husband is just getting more and more angry. And he says, every time he's about to get angry, you take a cup of water and you put a little into your mouth and you swish the water around your mouth. There's something powerful about that. And so, try it out. So she went home. Two weeks later, she came back beaming, rejoicing, Doctor, your uh, medication, your, your cure really worked. My Husband is really calm and wonderful and we have a great relationship now. Says, what's the secret to that? It must be the water swishing around my mouth that is so magical that has cured everything. And so the doctor says, actually it's not the water. It's a way to keep your mouth shut. Sorry, it can be the other way around too. All right. Yes. 
So we are talking about relationships. This is phenomenal. You know, when Roger and I, we were in Vietnam many years ago, some 12 years ago, we saw a bike with six people on the bike in Vietnam. Only that happens in Vietnam. But this one beats it all, right? And uh, basically, this picture is to show that we are all on the same bike, same vehicle, traveling in life together. And we are heading to the same destination. And we pray that we will travel well as we journey in life together. First of all, I want to declare that God is a God of relationship. That's why you have uh, the Bible describing God uh, as the Trinity. I mean, the, that word Trinity is not in the Bible, but if you were to study the Bible, you will see that there is Father. God is made of Father, consists of Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. It's like one family. And, and that's why it says uh, in Genesis 1.26, in Right at the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1 itself, God reveals that He is not just one person. He's a family, three in one. So it's just like my family. I have uh, two children those days, those days, right? And, and we, we declare ourselves as the Xiao family, all right? Xiao in Hokkien means mad. So we are the mad family. And so... God says, let us. He's, he didn't say, let me make man in my image. Our image. So God operates within a family setting called the Trinity, Holy Trinity. And your Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all in perfect unity, working together in the same direction. So God made man. He didn't make robots. Sometimes I wish He made robots, but... He, he wants a relationship, so He gives us free will, called man or woman, in His image. So when, we, when it is said that we are made in the image of God, it is not just externally. Oh, you have the eyes of God, the nose of God. It's not talking about externally. But although physically Jesus came like man, He... Uh, you know, we are made in the image of God in some ways physically, but more so internally in the, in the relational nature of God Himself. We are made to relate. We are made to have fellowship, to have relationship. That's how we are made. And uh, so that uh, the reason why He made us that way is so that you could have a relationship with Him. He didn't make play things when God made human beings and the world. He didn't just make play things so that He can play with. No, He made something that's almost His equal in a sense so that He could relate with us and have a bigger family. Man was designed, you can see, for relationship. And without relationship, man will die in a sense. So, when we went to Port Arthur many years ago to Tasmania, we visited 
the prison cells of Port Arthur. It's all in ruins now. But we were told the story that when they built the prison cells, they were experimenting uh, with Sigmund Freud's ideas of those days that uh, perhaps they could reform these prisoners by building uh, little cells to put people in solitary confinement so that being alone and keeping quiet, they were not allowed to speak. They, were, they could only sing in the chapel. But they thought that through this method, they can really change these people who were violent, who were angry, who were horrible people. They thought they could change them. But after a while of doing this, guess what they had to build next to the prison? And a mental asylum. Because many of them became crazy when they were locked up in these solitary places, in solitary confinement, and not allowed to talk, not allowed to fellowship with one another. They went mad. They went crazy. And so it really proved the point. If you go to Port Arthur, you can see that and they will tell you, the tour guide will tell you that story. Or you can read on the board what happened. That they had to build these mental hospitals as a result of that. So we are made to relate and to have relationship one with another. But the problem with relationship is that relationship can be a blessing <laughs> and a curse as well. It's a two-edged sword, alright? Relationship can bring great blessings of joy, of happiness and fulfillment and, and you know, wonderful. But when relationships go wrong, as you all know, it brings terrible pain, misery, even destruction. You see the domestic violence that goes on in the homes where, you know, spouses are killed, children even are killed, and terrible, terrible things can happen when relationships turn sour. And so today, we want to look to see how we can build godly, good, healthy relationships. Many people, uh, such as the homeless people that I've talked to a lot, they are homeless not because, uh, you know, of, of many reasons. There are many reasons for why people uh, become homeless. But one major reason for why people become homeless is because of broken relationships. Their families leave them and they, they get devastated. They end up not having anything. And so many people avoid meaningful relationships after a while because of past hurts and disappointments. They are not able to cope with the hurts and the quarrels, the strife, they, they can't handle all of that and disappointments. They, people make promises to you, they cheat you, they, they don't fulfill their promises and you get disappointed, you know. I'm currently having great disappointments even with my builder. <laughs> and, and we are dealing with that kind of relationship issues, you know. So the, these things will surely happen. Let me guarantee, give you a guarantee. Re when you have relationships, it will never be smooth sailing all the time. 
right? There will always be bumps in the relationship. There will be disappointments, rejection. There will be misunderstandings. There will be hurts. And so because of that, people cannot handle all these painful hurts and, and problems. What do they do? They get rid of the whole thing. What, what we call throwing the baby with the bathwater because they've been hurt so many times, they've been married so many times, they, they get hurt and hurt again, and after a while, they come to the conclusion that relationships is not worthwhile. Get rid of it altogether, and so they go into isolation. They withdraw into a shell. Have you seen some people like that? Yeah, they... Uh, uh, but some personalities are like that, but some people who are vibrant at first end up being like that because of the many hurts along the way. And I know a lot of older people, the older they get because they accumulate hurts, <laughs> after a while, they withdraw more and more and more. And so the older we get, we've got to be very careful to be able to overcome these issues. The sad thing is, young people and uh, we growing up, there is no school for relationship. When you go to school uh, and, and you get trained in science, in maths, in English, and, and so on, they train you in all of this, even in the university, but there is no special course 101, relationship 101 kind of thing. Even in psychology class, they don't teach you how to cope with your family issues and problems. And I know many CEOs and really smart people with doctorate degrees and uh, successful businesses, they may be very successful in their career, in their field, but at home, they are a total mess. And so, in other words, all your degrees, all your smartness doesn't guarantee you successful relationship. Why? Because society doesn't train you in this area. It, it just doesn't. And so, when you watch movies and you are being taught by Hollywood how to handle relationships, and Hollywood tells you, hey, if you have problem with your spouse, just leave. Leave them. You can cheat on your spouse. It's okay, you know. And sleep around and, and do all these things and lie and, and all these things. It's okay. At the end of the day, you'll come out well. Some Hollywood programs, uh, movies, they depict that. And so your young ones, the young ones are being educated and trained in the wrong understanding of relationships. God, put, God gave the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel as they journeyed through the desert. You know why? Because they were not actually called Ten Commandments. I mean, when you hear Ten Commandments, you are scared, you're, you think it's all legalistic. Actually, they are Ten Guidelines for healthy relationships. Three of four of them relate to your relationship with God, how you relate to God, and then the rest is guidelines on how to relate to your parents, honor your father and mother, how to relate to your spouse, do not uh, commit adultery, do not look at 
take your neighbor's wife. That's not good for relationship, I guarantee you. Do not cheat. Do not covet your neighbor's goods and all these. These are guidelines for healthy relationships. But what do governments do? They get rid of the Ten Commandments from schools, from uh, institutions, from the law court. And, and so we have a breakdown of relationships in the world. And uh, so, you know, relationship skills were, are meant to be learned at home. Unfortunately, these skills are at an all-time low because homes are not teaching their kids the right values these days. And many homes are, in fact, broken homes. We, many people come from broken homes. and It's not your fault. It's just the way it is. And, and so, as a result, you have poor role models. Many husbands leave their wives. Uh, wives leave their husbands. And there's a lot of strife and quarreling at home. And so, kids grow up not learning how to cope with relationships themselves when they have their own spouse, when they have their own family. See, God's desire and His heart is that He wants us to have healthy relationships. That's why the Bible is all about relationship with God and one another. Why do you think Jesus boiled it all down when people asked Him, what are the two most important things in life? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Even relationship with yourself, he talks about. Love, you can't love somebody if you don't even love yourself. So many people despise themselves. They look at themselves in the mirror and they despise that person they are looking at. They are ashamed of themselves. They have low self-esteem, low self-worth. And so when you have low self-worth, you are insecure, what do you do? You, it, 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 it comes out. And, and so it affects your relationship when you are not comfortable even with yourself. And so God, throughout the Bible, and we will see in the book of Genesis that Pastor Chris is going to teach about, it's all about relationships. That's why, the, the, not the first book of the Bible, but one of the, the start of the first books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the five books are the first books of the Bible. It starts off with stories. It doesn't start off with Ten Commandments. It starts off with stories of how people related with God and with one another. And so Luke 10, 27 gives... Two real keys boils it all down to how you, we should relate to God and relate to one another for this world to be a better place. This world is, being, is destroying each other. We are now building stronger and bigger nuclear weapons <laughs> to deter each other from uh, killing one another. So, you know, we are living in dangerous times. See, God values relationship. And that's why throughout the Bible, you will see that it says that Abraham 
was called a friend of God. Why? Because he believed in God. When you lose faith, when you are corrupted by the world and have doubt and unbelief, you will strain your relationship with God. Your relationship with God becomes healthier when you grow in faith. And the Bible says that the more you read the Word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing or reading the Word of God. If I know that many Christians, they don't read their Bibles daily. You should be doing that because if you don't know the Word of God, you, you don't have the Word of God, you don't have faith. Faith comes by hearing, receiving the Word of God. Enoch walked with God and God loved him so much, he decided to say, hey, you are better with me than on earth. He took him, alright? He disappeared. And uh, David was a man after God's heart. Moses spoke to God mouth to mouth. How close is that? I don't even speak to my wife mouth to mouth, you know. <laughs> but Moses was a man who spoke with God mouth to mouth, so close he was. See, what is, what is God trying to depict through all of these messages in the Bible? That relationship is so important and the Bible, the whole Bible is all about relationship. See, even the early church was focused about Paul's relationship with God, how he heard God, encountered God, how the early church met together uh, daily because they are a relational church who worshipped, who prayed, and studied God's Word daily. So we are now talking about biblical relationship. And biblical relationship is different from the world's kind of relationship. The world's kind of relationship is based on convenience. Oh, if it is no more convenient for you to be with me, bye-bye, sayonara, so long, farewell, I bid you goodbye, you know. And so that's the world's kind of concept of relationship. But God's concept of relationship is based on covenant. That's why we have the old testament or old covenant and the new covenant. And covenants are not, cannot be broken because God makes it. God will never break His covenant. We may be unfaithful to break God's covenant, but God's covenant will always uh, hold true and it's based on trust. See, in a marriage relationship, that's why God views marriage so seriously. And God wants us to have good marriages. And marriage is based on a covenant, not on a contract. What's the difference between a contract and a covenant? A contract is based on mistrust. It's because I don't trust you, brother. When we go into business, I will make sure my contract is well written and I look into any loophole and all. It's all based on mistrust, isn't it? So a lot of couples, when they get married, and uh, Rodney and Charmaine, are you here? You know, you, you just got married. It is not based on a contract. You are not signing a contract. 
is based on a covenant, and the covenant is based on trust. It's based on faithfulness, on loyalty, on mutual support, understanding, and most importantly, on forgiveness. <laughs> Why? Because we will foul up. We will mess up our life in our behavior, in the way we handle each other. There will always be mistakes and problems, but we've got to learn to forgive and start again and heal, restore, and patch up. And see, the best example of this covenant relationship is a marriage. Two very different people. Oh, some of them are so different. I tell you, some husband and wives are east and west. You know? Not talking about location. But in, in their values, in, uh, you know, in, in their taste, in what they're thinking. Hopefully, over time, they can become more like each other. Just like many owners look like their dogs over time, you know. And that's why it says in the marriage vows for better or for worse. Right? Marriage vows are so powerful. Nowadays, the modern marriage vows, that's missing now. You, you, you see some of the modern weddings, they write their own thing, you know. Uh, or if it's convenient, it's fine, you know. That, I mean, they don't say convenient, but it's couched in that those words, as it were. And, uh, but it's for better, for worse. In sickness and in health, it, poorer or richer, very powerful. And, and so God is wanting to heal the world through His Word, through what Jesus has done for us, but more so through His church. The church is meant to be a model to the world on how relationships are to be handled. Unfortunately, the church is a bad witness to the world. And, you know, in church, oh, you know, I, I have past, uh, people coming, I've pa been pastoring for nearly 40 years, all kinds of cases. They come to me and they say, Pastor Roland, I can't be in your church anymore because I can't stand the face of that fellow, you know. I really can't stand them anymore. Where's the covenant relationship? The body of Christ. We are to be in covenant relationship. Let me move on quickly. This uh, study by this lady, this professor called Julian Holt Lundstedt at Brigham Young University in the USA did a very powerful research of many people over many years and found the predictor for you to have longer life. How many of you like to have longer, good, healthy, long life? Not many. Wow, looks like everybody wants to die here. But she, it's a long, long research, but to summarize, she found that the things that predict you to have longer life is not clean air, hypertension, or overweight, or exercise. I mean, it's, it, it, it's graduated, right? 
or having flu vaccine or no flu vaccine, that helps a bit, but quit boozing, quit smoking is right up there as well. But the top thing that shows whether you will have long life or not is whether you have close relationships and social integration. Meaning that when you are in crisis, do you have people to go to to talk about issues, be it financial, be it emotional problems, be it health issues? Do you have people that you are integrated into, uh, with and have close relationships with? And the more connected you are, the longer you live. That's not from the Bible. That's, uh, I mean, that's from the Bible as well. But this research has shown that to be so true. And, you know, there are many ways people handle conflicts. They handle conflict through avoid being, uh, avoiding conflict, withdraw, or they contend. Some people are very contentious. The moment you step on their toe, kapow, you know, you, you'll get it. Maybe not in, in the fist, but with the fist, but with words. And uh, some people work things out. They are more peaceable. But some, the biblical way is to forgive, to love, and to resolve these conflicts. Now, we are coming to an end. And the word, you know, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 4, 1, 17 and 25, it talks about Adam. He had sexual relations with his wife and gave birth to uh, Cain and Abel. But the word that the Bible used for, for them coming together to, to reproduce a child is the word no. Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain. Why did God use the word new? The word yada, alright? And uh, it's not uh, 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 Adam slept with his wife Eve. That's the modern language. But in the Hebrew, which is very telling and very uh, insightful, is this word yada, which means a, a depth of relationship, a depth of knowing that person. So, you know, there are various levels of knowing each other. There's the mental knowing, uh, acquaintance, and experiential knowledge. So someone will say that, oh, I know a lot about Micha Pichu, is it? Macha Pichu in... See, I haven't been there. You can, you can tell because I can't even pronounce it. Uh, but a lot of people have been there. And, and I can know a lot about it by re going to Google, Dr. Google, and reading a lot about Machu Picchu. But I, I really don't really know Machu Picchu that well, even though I've read a lot about it. But if you ask uh, Peggy and Min Leong and others who have been there, they will tell you. Because they have experienced, not just know about it, They've been there, they've experienced. That's, that's yada kind of knowledge, all right? It's like my shoe. I have yada knowledge of my shoe because I've worn it for years and I know what hurts, which shoe hurts me, all right? 
So you, you, you look at my shoe and you say, oh, nice shoe, you know, superficially. So a lot of us have superficial relationship. But God wants us to go deeper uh, into a yada relationship. And so when we have yada relationship, that bears fruit. That will give birth to new vision, to new things in, for the kingdom of God. It is through Evelyn's uh, close relationship with her cousin, her late cousin Winnie, they used to pray together and God birthed the vision of, uh, of Christian education, of starting Noah's Ark Child Care Centre and a Christian school eventually in Malaysia out of her relationship with her cousin in prayer. And so when we have superficial relationship Hi, how are you? What food did you eat? And all that. It doesn't bring forth fruit. We've got to go into covenant relationship and prayer together. When two or more are gathered, there He is in our midst. And there's great power in fellowship because when we have a depth of relationship or fellowship, the blood of Jesus that carries the life of God begins to flow into your life and gives birth to great exploits for God's kingdom. And it says that a threefold cord cannot be easily broken. It says one may be overpowered, but another two can withstand him, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so I will want to end with this short story in 2 Samuel 10 verse 9 to 10, where... where uh, uh, King David's army was in a strait, was in great problems because they were surrounded by the Syrians and by the Ammonites. And in fact, the Ammonites hired the Syrians to attack Israel. And so Joab, who is the, uh, the commander general for uh, King David, said, it says here in 2 Samuel, let me read that. It says, when Joab saw that the battle line was against him before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. And then it continues, then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage. Let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in His sight. And so what happened was they were overwhelmed. They were outnumbered by the Syrians from the north and the Ammonites from the south, from the side, they were surrounded, they were helpless. But despite their few numbers, Joab said to Abishai, he says, you take a group to fight with the Ammonites, I take my group to fight with the Syrians. Number-wise, we are overwhelmed, we are too weak. But if you are overwhelmed, you are too weak, you are in trouble, just shout, I will come to your aid. If I lose you, I will call upon you and you come. You know, the Bible says one will put a thousand to flight. Two, ten thousand. 
See, there is a synergy here that when we two come together, even though we may be outnumbered, even though your problem is overwhelming you so big, you, you can't handle your issues in life. But when you have a prayer partner, when you have a spiritual person, a mentor to help you, to support you together, what happened with uh, Joab and Abishai is that even though they were outnumbered, because of this synergy, guess what? The enemies were routed. The enemies were defeated. Despite and, 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 and this part of the Bible, this passage, is showing a principle that we need one another. We cannot be isolated in this world anymore. The world is getting more and more dangerous. And more, you are becoming more and more vulnerable. We need one another. And my last slide here shows in John 15, 4 to 5, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide means remain, stick connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who sticks in me or abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now all of us, want to be abiding in Christ, that's fine. You know, stick directly to Christ. But which, if you look at the vine tree, you will see that some branches are not stuck to the main trunk. They are connected to the main trunk through other branches, right? And so, for us in the body of Christ, all of us, yes, we are connected to Christ, but we are also connected to one another. And unless we remain connected to the body of Christ, to the home groups, through uh, different people, we will not bear fruit. Yes, you may bear fruit physically, financially, but spiritually you'll be dry. And it's so important, according to this word, that in order for us to bear fruit spiritually, we must be connected relationally, spiritually, relationally. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, even as we have learned in this short time on how to be strong relationally, how to be blessed relationally, give us a teachable heart. Help us to see the truth so that the truth can set us free can heal our families, can heal our marriages, can heal our relationship with our children, with our parents. Lord, the world is getting rid of Your Word, Your Bible, Your commandments, Your guidelines, but we want to embrace it because it's only through Your Word and through Your Holy Spirit can we be blessed relationally. So I pray for a change of heart here, Lord. Those who are not connected, that from today onwards, they will see how vulnerable they are and that they would repent and begin to turn around and begin to find a, a group that they can be spiritually connected to and be blessed. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow.
Fantastic. You know, it, it's so good to have heard from Pastor Quinton and uh, Pastor Roland. Um, we've got really some exciting things uh, ahead for Home Group Sunday. Um, w- for those of you who have kids in Sunday school, uh, Harold,